check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artist. Audio inside. Loading artist. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hey and welcome to Artcast. As always, I encourage listeners to visit the artist websites or artcast.com. Check out the work as you listen along. Alright, let's get started. Words of the day. Contemplative. Color. Minimal. Awkward and woven. Welcome Lisa Kellner to the program. She joins us from Deer Island, Maine, from her local library. How cool is that? (laughs) In the conversation, of course, we dive into the three to five words to describe the paintings question, as well as their influences and ideas, a little bit about titles, and how to stay out of trouble while painting. And writing in three different books as part of her studio practice, and so much more. Stay tuned. Lisa Kellner, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I really am excited to be here, so thanks. Sure. So I was curious about some of the early art experiences you've had, and like, when do you felt like you got serious about it? How early do you mean? You mean uh, childhood early? or? Yeah, you could do childhood, or you know, maybe <laughs> just like a, a brief... A brief mention of the childhood one that maybe was memorable and then you know then when you felt like as an adult perhaps or earlier when you feel like you got serious about it okay all right well I I guess my first memory is um, I was living in Australia I was five in kindergarten and um, the teacher had had me and I, I remember this so vividly had me press two pieces of wood or cardboard together with glue and and paint and then when I opened them back up I I just it was just this seascape of coral and movement and I was just so intrigued by that and it just um I think that's my first art memory of making something and just going wow that's incredible um, getting serious about art. So I lived in New York 
for almost 20 years and I was a mural painter and, um, you know, working for businesses and individuals and decorators and going back to school. I was raising kids, going back to school at night at the School of Visual Arts and um, really wanted to show work in a in a more formal fine art setting that was my own voice um so my first experience with that kind of thing was i was curated into a show in in dc called conversions um and sam francis was on the jury and i did a um a sixty thousand pin yellow tip a quilting pin piece installation um, called Oil Spill. And, um, you know, I had to make the whole um, background for the pins to go in and um, kind of made this undulating um, pattern with them. And then I made two others of those in, in a variety of forms at different places. But that was really my first entry into... Um, a fine art kind of mode of making and saying something with material and my own, you know, aesthetic, I guess. Yeah, that sounds pretty involved. The, uh, the... Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. <Yeah. laughs> I think it took me four or five months to make the piece. And um, yeah, it was it was good. That's cool. What would you say is a strong influence on your work and subject matter? Uh, a strong influence. Uh, I think living and nature and um, observation and trying to bring that all together. So just the lived experience and observing and then coming into the studio and creating problems to solve with the paintings um, is, is really what I'm doing. Nature informs my work um, and, you know, I have a garden, I live rurally now and yeah. uh, just seeing, you know, the dichotomies that happen in the natural world and, um, a sort of organized chaos and and then distilling my experience of that so that travel I've traveled a lot um, as a kid and as an adult and sort of being immersed in different cultures quickly and learning that people are very different and um, uh, respecting that and giving space to that um, is a huge influence also. I forgot to ask you where you're based out of. So I, I live on Deer Isle in Maine. Um, it's an island off the coast of Maine with a bridge. And it's a, it's a big um, lobstering community and also a summer community. We get a lot of fellow New Yorkers and D.C. and Boston people coming up in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this question might relate to that. Uh, what do you spend the most time doing, looking, making, or thinking? Mm, that's a good question. Um, when I'm painting, I try not to think. 
about the paintings because I always I I always get into trouble um, if I'm thinking about what I'm doing and I and then the work feels forced. So, um, but I think about the paintings and about art making all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that running thread. Um, so I, I, I've kind of learned how to be intuitive about it, about how to make the work. And if something's bothering me um, in the work, I'll just let it sit there and walk by it and try not to figure out what's wrong, but just keep observing it. And usually a, an answer comes when I'm away from the studio, usually. Yeah. Um, as to how to resolve it. So, um, but when I'm painting, th thinking about the painting, it, it will just do me in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, um, like a distraction. I guess you could say. It sounds like, like if you're thinking, like the doing the act is is most important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an I'm definitely an overthinker, so I don't want to kind of force my hand on the work I feel I feel like that becomes obvious sometimes so um, having a strategy about how to how to finish a work um, doesn't work for me yeah yeah it's, yeah I was curious uh, you mentioned I think you had mentioned observing and things like that I mean do you do some hiking and I imagine and maybe do you ever take pictures while you're out or is it just sort of a memory thing like the visuals yeah, I do a lot of I take a lot of pictures and I do a lot of drawing, yeah. although less less drawing lately um, of the landscape, but a lot of pictures, you know, close up, mostly close ups, you know, of things that I, what I love is that that tension between rural, raw nature and then some sort of intervention of of humans where you see an old rotting boat kind of in the landscape sitting in um, low tide in mud or somebody put a, a glove on a tree, you know, and I took a picture of that. <laughs> just just those juxtapositions between the human um, intervention and yeah, yeah. and the landscape is kind That's of cool. interesting. Yeah. Now, I mean, with my limited experience with landscaping as far as making work about it, uh, I would almost assume that some of your compositions would be more horizontal, but they they're, they seem to be more vertical. So is that is that like the the influence of people in in you know in the composition, like with the subject matter, or I think um, I you know I'm not setting out to make landscapes. Okay. I'm I'm definitely making um, abstract paintings that are informed by my experience of the land. And um, there's a lot of verticals, but also the horizontals are usually like um, reminiscent of a, of a horizon line that you'll see maybe peeking through the trees. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, it, I, they're like awkward lines. They're, you know, I want the hand to be visible in the paintings. I don't yeah. want them to be pristine or, or hard-edged. I want them to show my hand, but also show, you know, 
nature does some weird stuff. You know, you'll see a tree like turn to the side with a lump on the end or, you know, that, that, that's really interesting to me. So these paintings kind of play on those silhouettes that I see and experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. cool. Would you say, uh, sometimes nature could be awkward or, but yet beautiful in a way or interesting? Nature is tough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I, when I first moved here about eight years ago, I watched, um, some ospreys building a nest and then a bald eagle came in and stole one of the babies. And oh. in the air, the osprey were fighting with the bald eagle. And then we found the baby on the road a few days later. So oh. it's brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there are some awkward imperfections that I find beautiful. And um, I, I want that in my painting. I want that awkwardness, that that experience of the hand to, to um, be part of the abstraction of the work. Yeah. Um, I'll ask you a little bit more about color later, but I didn't know if, if how, do you, do you feel like the color is more important in the work or is there sort of a balance, say composition versus the color, so to speak? Oh, I think they're both important, especially yeah. when you're getting very um, reduced and minimal. And these these recent works are very r reductive. Um, but I will, you know, and I don't pre-plan the colors. Um, I layer the colors. So I will, and one color will have such an impact on the rest of the painting so there might be 10 different colors under one swath of paint. Um, and it just, it, it's just a buildup of surface um, that I'm working on. And also in these paintings, there's a whole free and loose abstract painting underneath them yeah. where sometimes you just see a hint and sometimes you see a pattern at an angle of it. Um, and sometimes I leave a little bit more of that. Um, and, and it's, it's, that's, I, so I start really free and loose and then kind of tighten up with these swaths of color and the lines. And then it's a, it's a, a determination of what do I reveal and what don't I reveal? And sometimes nothing gets revealed. Just a little tiny sliver yeah. will uh -huh. be revealed. All right. So, um, now I feel like I'm approaching this by having looked at the land and sea so much. Uh, and so that's where my questions are mostly coming from just for the listener and everything. It's cause you know, of course it's hard, it's hard to listen and imagine at the same time, <laughs> like yeah, without seeing yeah. the work, but, so, but anyway, that was just a tidbit I wanted to mention, but, um, now you have a number of, uh, of series going right now. And I, I didn't know, are they all current? Let, let's say I'm talking about precipice of unknowing uncivilized and land and sea. Well, precipice. Um, so I, you know, I was this installation artist and, um, kind of feeling like I needed to get back to painting. So I kind of gave myself a few years to just really explore painting. 
and the Precipice series was um, sort of the tail end of several years of that, of bringing sculpture back into painting and using drywall as a material and layering, layering a painting with um, sculpture. So I, I did that in 2021, um, kind of finished it off last year, um, and then started the Uncivilized and the Landon series, which are, are similar, but different. Yeah. So um, Uncivilized is more of a space to kind of talk about um, social issues for me that I wanted to tap into. So there's three paintings called The Empires. Um, and I used this sort of funnel shape as a solid shape to kind of focus all the energy of the painting through that shape and, and was really reflecting on the fall of empires and different types of empires and maybe how, you know, we're in that a little bit now. And <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just curious if there was something or a, a few somethings that you've carried with you between those three series that I mentioned. Yeah, they, um, the reductive aspect of the work, it's all all different um, layers of um, different types of um, minimalist approach to abstraction. So I'm combining loose painting with uh, a geometric shape, usually one that's a little bit askew um, in all three. And um, now, I, it's not on my website. Well, there are some on my website, but the newest work are these um, deconstructed paintings. So they are probably the next iteration of the Precipice series that were these um, drywall cutouts. And instead I'm using wood and hand sawing it. Hand sawing, you said? Yeah, hand oh, sawing okay. it. That's cool. Yeah. That must be fun. <laughs> you know, it, it's a learning curve. I, I'm, I, I think I wanted to be a woodworker in another life. Oh, you nice. know, I really respect <laughs> woodworking. Yeah, I think everyone should have wanted that for themselves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. A great, it's a great... Uh, thing to be involved in i mean i i, I kind of feel the same way but i've Do done you? some constructions in the past and i out of but mostly out of foam a little bit of wood but the mm. foam like the insulation foam it was a rigid thing and it was a little easier to cut and everything but anyway yeah yeah um, no i i i love it um for these deconstructed paintings they're almost like furniture i i spend a lot of time on the back of them <laughs> making sure it's just right and yeah i've my my sawing abilities have improved, but I still want the imperfection of um, a line. So I can't use a table saw because I don't want a straight line all the time. Yeah, I yeah. want it to be, you know, a little awkward and imperfect. Right, a little maybe a little more organic of a process in some way, or analog, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The the you know the saw is is a collaboration, a collaborative element in making that work and just allowing those little bumps and things to be part of the work. It, it's, um, it's kind of a different iteration from the paintings where you have these little lines that are not particularly straight, the same thing in the wood. Yeah. yeah. So, 
how how are the I mean and a lot of time in painting the the edges are really important and I think you're saying that too about the wood shapes that you're cutting out is that how's that yeah. tweaking the or the that that idea like do you think it's taken it a step further like as far as edges are concerned or yeah edges are so important oh my gosh and yeah. I've done so much experimentation I what I loved about the drywall was I loved that there was a paper backing and it and that you could see the cement yeah. um they're very temporary. I mean, well, not temporary, but they're maybe not archival. Um, with the wood, and I use a birch plywood, you can, that raw edge, I fill it in, sand it, fill it in, sand it, and then I paint it. Mm. Um, or, yeah, I paint it. Um, and then I stay in the back. Um, but I'm starting to make some new works, and I'm think, and I'm really interested in leaving some of those imperfections, the raw edges of the yeah. plywood in the work. That's cool. That sounds like in line with some of the other series that you have going. Just that, yeah. that method, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like having a little imperfection in, in the work. It, it gets rid of that postcard feeling. You know, yeah. I don't want it to be too perfect. I want yeah. the hand to be visible. It's not from so, a factory. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, with the deconstructed paintings, are they coming from, it seems like, and you may have even mentioned this to me outside of the interview, but coming from compositions, right, from other uh, series or what have you? Like, is that how they start? They are coming from paintings that I've made. So yeah. whether they're from the um, Uncivilized series or the Land and Sea, or, or now I have a whole new series um, of paintings and, and I'm, so I make the painting and then, which is a, which is a deconstructed painting or, a, or a reduced painting. And then these deconstructed paintings are reducing that painting even more and allowing the space between the wood elements to be part of, of the piece. Yeah. So when I, when I was an installation artist, shadow and light was really important. And I used textiles, which I don't, I don't want to use right now. I, I like using the wood, that hard element, and then having this shadow and that space is like integral to the piece. It's a whole different piece. And then I yeah. take elements of the painting and reorganize them in a different way from the actual painting. Right. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Good. Thanks. Sure. I wanted to jump back to color a little bit, and uh, I f I find the color palette interesting. And I it, you mentioned <laughs> juxtapositions, but not as far as color was concerned. But like in my notes, I just feel like there are juxtapositions of color um, mm. in the palette that that you're using uh, a lot of the time. And I was wondering how you decide to use certain colors and. I also feel like it's kind of like your own brand of color theory or invented harmony or discord. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. Especially with the, now I'm back to the land and sea. I, I think I, uh, uh, just to mention that again, that's where I'm pulling that from, but. Yeah. Yeah. I, the p color is completely intuitive. There's no pre-planning. Um, I, I, for me, when, if I pre-plan a work, so I make tons of drawings uh, you know, similar to these paintings, and I never use those drawings 
for the paintings. It just never works out. It feels kind of dead. So, um, so let's focus on color. You know, I, I, um, it's really an intuitive on the moment, what colors I feel like mixing up that I want to see. And, um, and then building up the layers until all the colors are working together. And sometimes that takes a while. I mean, I have one now that it's, it's six months old and I'm still working on one color. It's just not right, you know, and I sand it down. And, um, so I'm hoping that that will dry and I can get that color right. You know, I, as a kid, I lived in Jamaica on the Island of Jamaica. And, um, I think that that, you know, we lived on a mountain in the rainforest and, those colors there, um, I just think it's part of my psyche and, um, you know, that and my observations of nature and the places I've lived and traveled to, it just, you know, the, the red in a moss or in, um, you know, just, just the, it's not, I don't take those colors and go back to the studio and try to make them. It's just becomes part of my, yeah background thinking and then yeah but I'm definitely at least right now very very bright and bold in my color choice <laughs> yeah yeah no, I love it <laughs> now would you say do you say deliberately organize or like file away these experiences or is this like I think you were mentioning that they just sort of uh resurface uh from your past experience and naturally into the painting um, yeah, yeah yeah there's no it, I'm not sketching outside and then bringing it back and making it's more of really trying to be present in the experience of nature travel you know when I lived in New York it was the same thing I would take tons of photographs and my photographs would be a weed growing you know in the crack of the cement yeah you know (laughs) so um being present in observing and then um, allowing that to intuitively become part of my decision-making process versus, okay, well, that relates to this and I'm going to make this from that. So Cool. No, this is, uh, I think I say this every time during the interview, but it's time for one of my favorite questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, can you use three to five words to describe your work? Now you could focus on a certain series or as a whole, however you want to, it's a somewhat of a free question, except, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say spatial. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, awkwardly minimal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I would say bold and contemplative. Cool. No, I feel like I may have been, I have actually a couple of words, if you don't mind. Let me just first say that first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I believe in all the, in the history of the podcast, I may have only used this word with one of the artists. So oh. I just feel like, um, and it was recently, so that's kind of interesting. <laughs> oh, interesting. But, so yeah, not to build it up too much, but anyway, <laughs> it's uh, the one of the words is title. And that, of course, is probably coming from, uh, 
one of the other words I feel is kind of related to it is woven, just the, the, the land and sea sort of shapes and, and for, for mm. lack of a better term, stripes or, or rectangles, if you will. Yeah, uh, yeah. Both horizontal and vertical. So, And then I feel like the duality is another one of my words, but it comes, I think it also comes from uh, somewhere reading a bit about what your work's about and is how, you know, humans and nature interact or or don't get along or maybe do get along and then so yeah I yeah i love i love oh, those words <laughs> those yeah oh, thanks thanks <laughs> uh a word that you used that i thought was interesting and i think comes up on your website too was tension um i think you mentioned it twice during the interview so far and uh i was just really interested by that and because it doesn't seem like tension unfortunately to me seems like a like a slightly negative word but i feel like you're using it in maybe a neutral or more positive way or just like a yeah how does that like how does that make does that make sense <laughs> yeah yeah i think tension is is a positive thing i think it yeah. makes the work interesting and tension for me can be you know um in one of the paintings it can be this tiny little sliver of a previous layer poking through yeah. a line um, and that can be enough to yeah. kind of disrupt the the you know minimal overall look I, I want people to get closer to my work and see those little details and yeah. you know maybe the pattern the surface pattern that's hiding so yeah that there's there I Tension can be used in multiple ways. I kind of like playing with that idea in the paintings. Yeah. I also like the word vibration. Uh, and mm. uh, just, you know, of course, color. I, I, I don't know. I just can't help but think of color when looking at your work. So, <laughs> Oh, I um, love that word. It's such yeah, a great word. I feel like it kind of really gets along with uh, tension, you know, as a pair. Yeah, so. yeah. I think that, you know, that's, hey, I think that's what all artists are looking for is, is that work vibrating or yeah. is it not, you know? Right. That's that's a great word to aspire to. <laughs> I was wondering if, if you weren't an artist, what would you choose to be? Oh, my gosh. What would I choose to be? Um, I don't know, a woodworker, a gardener. You know, I'm kind of... Um, uh, uh, I'm building a permaculture garden, trying to grow my own food. Yeah. Um, woodworker, I would love to be, you know, and, and maybe a little bit of um, a teacher. I kind of, I coach some artists um, that are, you know, along this journey. And, and I really love doing that. It's sort of like a side part-time job that I do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but, but I don't know. I, I don't envision myself doing anything else. You know, when you get frustrated sometimes yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what else could I do? Like, there's nothing else I could do. This is it. This is yeah. who I am. So, yeah. I was just wondering if you could have a conversation with a figure from history or present day, who would that be? And what would be your conversation starter for that, uh, that person? Mm. There's so many people. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can have a dinner party. It doesn't have to be one, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, definitely 
Morandi. I would love to sit down with and spend the day with Morandi. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, just, I, I just think he was so forward thinking. But, you know, also, I, um, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately is, you know, we kind of lose our own heritage when, when people in our life pass away. So my, um, my uh, grandmother, who I never met, was a Norwegian immigrant, ended up in South Dakota, had 10 kids, and was an artist. So yeah. I, would, I would love to, you know, talk to her and meet her and figure out how the heck she did it. And, you know, I'm kind of named after her. So um, those two, I mean, of course, there's, you know, other people that, you know, female artists that I would love that, that have been mentioned before in your podcast. So, uh, um, but, you know, right now, Mirandi and, and my grandmother, um, Milda, yeah. would be great. I'm sorry, what yeah. was her name? Milda. Okay. Which is my middle name. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I, I, I feel like uh, not a lot of the question that of that question goes there for a previous um, uh, family member or, or, you know, that kind of thing. So that, that's nice. Yeah, like that. yeah. Yeah. Kind of like lose that whole story. And, yeah. and, you know, with all that she was going through, she still made artwork and I have a couple pieces. So, oh. um, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in that, but yeah. that would be ideal. Yeah. So. What were the paintings like, uh, offhand? You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're like paint by number or not, <laughs> but one is of um, a, a Japanese lady in the full garb, and then she did a lot of floral paintings. So, then um, she was really meticulous and took her time with them. Yeah. So that's how I know her. I never actually got to meet her. So well, they sound they're probably constructed in in any sense in a, in a way, just that organized. Yeah. Uh, the shapes and what have you. I mean, just by saying paint by number, it's like that seems, even if they aren't, that's still like a different way to organize, you know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Very meticulous. Yeah. So. Now, also, I was wondering, do you have a quote you would like to share? Yeah, I have this quote, um, which I heard recently. Um, it's by D.W. Winnicott. And it is, artists are people driven by the tension between the desire to communicate and the desire to hide. That's great. <laughs> so, it's so perfect. It's, yeah. It feels like exactly how I feel. So. Yeah. And then sometimes when it comes time for the show, it's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I have to yeah. stand in front of these paintings. and I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's not like that for everybody, but... Um, yeah, I see that. Like, I I don't know. It's like that that vulnerability, which I guess is inherent in art making, uh, and you can have a hard time. I mean, I know personally. Sometimes I my last show, I had a hard time being in the in the room with them and talking about yeah. them because it was just so personal that, and yeah. it was somewhat of a different direction, you know. So, um, I don't know if you've had experiences like that, but um, oh, terrible. Yeah, I used oh, to. Yeah really hate openings my own openings but now i i go but i'm just racked with 
you know, yeah. self-criticism and <laughs> doubt and, you know, um, you know, I try to relax into it. But, yeah, it's tough because, you, you know, you spend all your time with these paintings and they, they're very real to you. And then they go out into the world and um, you want them to live on their own. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the hope is that they, they can stand on their own and, you know, I mean, you know, we want people to, um, respond to them. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. And then not to limit it or redirect it with something I would say, or, or you know, about them, um, uh, is, is like a, a dance, I guess you could say. Up next, Lisa and I talk about a specific painting from her series, Precipice of Unknowing. Catch it while you can on her ever-changing website or at otcast.com. Listen in. And digging through your work on the website, uh, The Precipice of Unknowing, uh, there's one painting. Now, I like your titles, as, and this one really stuck out to me. And At Dusk, Everything Glows. And mm. that's just so vis- it's a beautiful painting, you know, and then with with an even better title, I think like oh, it could thanks. be. Yeah, it could be like a show title or something. Um, mm. well, I love that. I love yeah, that. That's yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I um, think the the colors in that really inspired the um, the the title and, you know, yeah. what I was saying. So, yeah, yeah some I, of the lines are so fluid, too. And yeah. Yeah. It's like my mind wandered to maybe this time of year with, uh, what do you call them, lightning bugs and what have you. Just the, you know, right. the glowing aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't make a work with a title in mind usually. Yeah. But I, I'll write down. That's if I'm painting, my mind is, you know, I'm writing down titles and notes to myself to get it out of my head and. And then I'll go back later and, you know, see how this painting feels once it's done. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, that's, um, you know, the skies and paying attention to what's going on in the, with the colors in the sky, um, that totally inspired the, the, um, the name of that painting. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. I like that, the idea that practice sort of, as you're painting to sort of, Un- unload a little bit of the verbal stuff or the the words uh that might get in the way and then you know searching later for potential idea starters or titles and that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. i have i have three different notebooks going at the same time you know and I, like one is my to-do notebook one is personal thoughts and one is art oh. thoughts <laughs> it's crazy but um yeah, and it and it kind of purges my mind so that I am present with the work and yeah. focusing on the work and not imposing myself on it. Do you happen to have any other quotes that you could share with us? You know, I, I, my own little um, saying to myself is just, and I again, this I wrote in my notebook, is truth just is. It doesn't effort, it flows. And... Um, I try to keep that in mind is to be really truthful when I'm making the work and, um, you know, kind of peeling back all the stuff that we, we have as artists and, 
the ego and kind of getting that out of the way and, yeah. and just what is the truth that I'm trying to get to with this painting? Um, asking the question, not trying to answer it, but asking yeah. the question. It's <laughs> important. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then, you know, Enrique Martinez Lea has a great little book. Um, I, I don't remember the name, but you can look it up it, where he just has all these quotes from speeches that oh, yeah. he's done and they're really inspirational. I'll go through and just, I haven't in a while, but I'll just go through and read and sort of kind of centers, it gets you back to, okay, well, this is why I'm making, this is why I'm making this work. This is yeah. why I'm here, you know? Right. So, is it yeah. centering? It is centering, yeah. yeah. Very much so. Well, I was curious if you have any info from your shows that are coming up. Yeah, so I'm in a three-person exhibition um, uh, in August in Camden, Maine, and Adam Umbach is, and Jean Jack are the other two artists, and that's at uh, Carver Hill Gallery. And then I have a solo exhibition um, at Granite Hill Gallery in Tenants Harbor, um, and then I have um, a, a painting and a deconstructed painting at the Cape Cod Museum of Art now through July 30th. So, um, yeah. And, and those will, both of those exhibitions will have some, some work that's from the Land and Sea series um, and also some newer work with the deconstructed paintings. Cool. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I'm You're excited. Welcome. Nervous, right? Nervous, but <laughs> excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's sure. a pleasure, and I've enjoyed it. And thank you for for getting me to think about my work. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for sharing so much. Big thanks to Lisa Kellner for being a great guest. If you missed any of the show details... The three-person show, titled Reductive, is at Carver Hill Gallery in Camden, Maine, with an opening reception on August 17th, and runs from August 17th through September 17th, 2023. And Lisa's solo show, Everything Already and Then, is at Granite Gallery in Tenants Harbor, Maine, and runs September 7th through the 13th, with an opening on September 8th. So congratulations, Lisa, and thanks for being on the program. Oh, and don't forget to check out more of Lisa's work at lisakellner.com. Thanks. This has been Oddcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening, and keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? I'm getting nowhere with this. Forget it. Hotcast Home is A-H-T-C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again.
Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. Otcast Audio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, and now on Google Podcasts. Otcast Social on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Let's not forget about Instagram. Thanks for tuning in.